Welcome to the top three podcasts for entrepreneurs, your place to get the very best tips, tricks, and tactics from today's most successful entrepreneurs. Here's your host, Stephanie Burns, founder of Chic CEO. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the top three podcasts for entrepreneurs. I'm Stephanie Burns, founder of Chic CEO, and today I have Farnoosh Tarabi with me. Farnoosh is a personal finance expert, best-selling author, TV personality, and sought-after speaker. Her mission is to help people take control of their finances so they can live their richest, happiest lives. She's personally coached a wide range of audiences, from college students to couples to executives of Fortune 500 firms, and Farnoosh is a contributing editor at Money Magazine, a frequent contributor to Daily Worth, Yahoo, and The Today Show. The New York Times calls her advice perfectly practical, and her latest book is an Amazon number one bestseller and is entitled When She Makes More, 10 Rules for Breadwinning Women. Her other books include Psych Yourself Rich, Get the Mindset and Discipline You Need to Build Your Financial Life, and You're So Money, Live Rich Even When You're Not. Farnoosh, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? Thanks, Stephanie. I'm great. I'm excited to be here with you and uh, looking forward to our discussion. Absolutely. Well, you and I have talked uh, before about your book, and I, I look forward to digging in on that. But before we start, I always like to ask our guests to tell us a surprising secret about them. That way we can even get to know them a little bit more. So tell us a surprising secret about you. Hmm, a surprising secret. Um, well, I just became a mom. So that's not a secret, but it's so new that many people out there may not know. And um, as many parents out there in the audience can agree, it's, you know, it's life transforming. Um, it's been an amazing five weeks since um, Evan was born. And I'm really enjoying being at home with him. It's actually a perk of being an entrepreneur. You know, you can kind of create your own schedule in a way. And while I don't have, you know, a company paternity, maternity leave, I've sort of constructed my own leave of absence for a while, and it's been it's been really gratifying to do, to be able to do that. So it's not a, a secret if you've been following me in the media in the last nine months, you've been seeing me grow and grow and grow. But um, but uh, it's something that is um, really exciting for us right now. So thought I would share that. It's very very cool, and we're so excited for you. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so we also like to ask. Um, a success quote, something that you live by every day. It guides your business. It guides you in, in your everyday work life. What is your success quote? I think it would be, you don't get what you deserve. You get what you negotiate. And I think that this is something especially important for females to embrace because I think we're raised to be perfect and to work hard and we get the A for effort. Um, but you know, in real life, and that's how we're rewarded in school. You know, we're we actually get better grades than boys because we perform um, above expectation. We come prepared. We do our homework. We do the extra credit. We study hard. We do what's expected of us. But, and that's great. But I think the the in the real world, um, you don't always get what you think you deserve because you've you know worked hard or you've done your homework. It's about um, having the confidence to negotiate and get what you, um, uh, you know, are worth, um, as opposed to what you think you deserve, and to be able to communicate that and to, you know, get that in a business world in your business is, uh, I think, is what's going to separate you from, you know, um, from 
you know, just good to great. And so for me, you know, I negotiate everything. I negotiate every day, you know, just whether it's um, trying to get the best terms for um, a, a contract with a client or um, even when I was, before I was an entrepreneur working in at a nine to five in the corporate world, you know, making sure I was um, getting a fair salary that I thought was fair and always being in the, you know, always having that um, comfort to bring up, you know, some sort of um, dialogue with your employer or your client or even just, you know, a friend, you know, to make sure that you're getting what you deserve. And I think that's something that women sometimes we don't learn off the bat. Boys are encouraged to take risks and, you know, f- make mistakes and, and fall down and, and pick themselves up. But I think for women sometimes we, we have higher standards for ourselves and it, we can sometimes lock ourselves into a situation and, and, and without the lack of negotiation and flexibility, I think sometimes we can, um, you know, we can trap ourselves. Absolutely. I completely agree. And I think that, um, you know, with some of the women that I've, I've mentored or have worked with, they, they hope that somebody will notice their hard work rather than standing up and saying, I'm working my ass off here and I deserve a fair pay or I deserve what my colleagues are getting paid or I deserve this. So I'm glad that you brought that up. I I think that's a really important, um, success quote for all of us to, to remember when we're, we're working towards our goals. So before we move into your, um, top three tips, I want to kind of ask you to take us back and tell us your story. Tell us a little bit more about you and how you got to where you are and, uh, writing in your books and, and things like that. Give us some background on you. Sure. Well, I, I'll go back to college. Um, I went to Penn state, majored in finance, decided on finance because it was, I was kind of good at math. I knew I wanted to do something in the business world. And frankly, there weren't a lot of women in the finance space, um, both as students and as um, employees and leaders. So I thought maybe this is an opportunity as a woman to really stand out. And, you know, I think that was a real, um, looking back, I think that was probably a smart decision because you always want to go where, um, you know, there, where perhaps you can stand out, be the, you know, the big fish in the small pond. And so for me, finance was that as a female. And, but, you know, along the way, I realized I don't really love crunching numbers and algorithms and working behind, you know, an Excel spreadsheet. I actually really enjoyed sort of learning about business and learning about how money works and how people engage with money. And so I kind of shifted to personal finance when I graduated uh, and, and really, and married it with a degree in journalism so that I could then bring the what I had learned about the business world and finance and money to the masses in a way that was digestible and, um, you know, exciting and um, service oriented. So, and I, and I always had been, I think, flirting with the idea of journalism, but it scared me because it was a, I was always told that it's a low paying field. It's very competitive. You're never going to get your holidays off. And so I always kind of stayed away from media for that re- for those reasons it wasn't you know a quote-unquote um you know lucrative industry so I you know but I felt confident that with a finance degree and journalism degree that I could again be in a space that wasn't too crowded there weren't people rushing to become financial journalists and I somehow I liked it so I, I went with it and 
quickly started working in print, working for Money Magazine and other publications, writing about, you know, boring things like taxes and 401ks. And I was only 23. And, um, but I wanted to make this work. I really, I, I kind of enjoyed it. And I, but I, I wanted to, you know, I was eager. I was like a lot of your listeners. I wanted to know um, how I could turn this into something more special. So I realized that um, there was a big void beyond just being a female in finance, there was an even bigger void with being a young female in finance, a young person in this space, people who have just come out of college, grad school, starting their businesses or going to work for the first time really lacked the tools to manage their money wisely. There wasn't a lot of information or um, coaching for that audience. So I decided that that would maybe become what I would focus on, um, selfishly too, because I needed the information. So by way of learning for me, I was teaching others. And that was sort of how the, the first book came about, uh, You're So Money, Live Rich Even When You're Not. Now, the funny thing about the book writing is that I did my first two books while I was working at um, a media organization full-time. I wasn't a full-fledged entrepreneur yet. I was sort of dabbling in entrepreneurship with my books and my blog and, you know, speeches, but also had my feet grounded in the nine to five because I was, admittedly, I was probably too scared to go uh, completely independent from from the get-go. I wanted the 401k. I wanted the health insurance. I wanted to be able to have access to a printer. (laughs) You know, all these like perks that in your head you justify, you know, why you shouldn't just, you know, cut loose. Um, And so I worked, like I said, I I kind of worked in both worlds as an employee and as my own self-employed employer for probably four or five, six years then guess what? I got laid off, which was kind of, yeah, in 2009 when the world was falling apart and the sky was falling and, you know, the stock market was tanking and everybody was getting laid off or knew someone who had lost their job. I was also, um, given a pink slip in 2009 and that was really the wake up call for me. That was the kick in the pants to get me to really embrace entrepreneurship. It was sort of a, and I I did a lot of research at that point. I was doing a lot of articles on women starting businesses in the recession. And I learned that there's, there are two types of entrepreneurs. You know, there are the entrepreneurs that have always had this passion idea or ideas and they pursue it and they're, they're risk takers and they go for it. And it's, they don't, you know, they don't, they don't look back. And then there are others who kind of turn to entrepreneurship because of a need. Hmm. You know, they need to, frankly, because it's survival. You know, they can't find the job that they want or love or feel um, passionate about, so they create something of their own. And either way, however you get to it, works. I mean, it's it's everyone has their own personal story. For me, I think it was I turned to entrepreneurship ultimately out of a need. You know, I couldn't find the job that was going to satisfy me. And frankly, the jobs were going away. And so you found a lot of more Americans, um, you know, flirting with this idea of being self-employed. And I think that was probably the silver lining in the recession. And I was one of the um, people who uh, took advantage of that, you know, saw that, okay, the doors were closing in the corporate world and in the, you know, traditional workforce. So why not, given that I've already kind of warmed up a little bit in in the entrepreneurial space, really go full force and so in 2009, I incorporated and I started to continue to write, but freelance write, 
never went back to having a full-time employee. I work with corporations now, consulting, writing books, um, giving talks. And so been able to really um, do a little bit of everything. Whereas before I, you know, I probably didn't have the bandwidth to, but now because I'm making my own schedule and working from home, it's become a reality. And I love what I've done. And I, and I, I credit being laid off in some ways for getting to where I am. Right. That's exactly how I got Chic CEO started as well. I was laid off in 2009. So yeah. I think it's definitely um, a catalyst for, for people to move into what they're supposed to be doing. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your book because that leads us into our top three tips today. Uh, the top three tips we're going to talk about is as female entrepreneurs, when we make more mm-hmm. than our partners and you just released your book, When She Makes More. So tell us a little bit about the book and how you came to create something like this, why it's significant. Well, really the the aha moment was me getting married, being in a relationship with a partner and I make more than my husband and I, I've always made more than him even when we were dating. And, you know, it was pretty innocuous from the beginning. It didn't seem like this was going to be a problem or a complexity per se. But when we got married and we started to make, you know, we started to join our finances, we started to really think about our future and establish goals and think about children and how we were going to have, you know, how we were going to negotiate our time, you know, as a, as a couple, it really did apparently become an issue that, you know, when the female is making more than the husband, you know, unfortunately we still live in a society where, there are expectations of what you should be doing as a woman and as a man in your relationship. And those expectations, whether you like them or not, or not, they do influence sometimes your happiness and your satisfaction in your relationship. And it's, it's not society at large. It could be relatives. It could be even your own internal expectations of what you want to, of how you want your relationship to look like and feel like. And I think biologically women, you know, while we're out there kicking butt, and starting businesses and, and making money and being leaders and having it all, um, you know, biologically, we still, I think part of us, we have that maternal instinct. We, we want to be present, very present when, when children arrive. And um, so there is this push-pull. If you're the breadwinning woman, what does that mean in terms of how you negotiate and manage your time as a mom, as a wife? So it gets really complex when you have kids. And, you know, beyond me, um, I started to look at the world and there have been a lot of studies looking at these types of relationships more recently as women are becoming um, the breadwinners more, more, um, more so than ever before. In fact, 24% of married women are making more than their male partners and that's up four times since the 1960s. So, But when, when she makes more, unfortunately, there's more divorce, there's more infidelity, she feels spent completely you know drained because she's you know quote unquote trying to do it all and then perhaps can feel resentful of him looking at him thinking you know what are you doing and then for the guy poor guy i mean sometimes the men feel completely um useless because for men you know they've been conditioned to be the breadwinners and if that is something that they really believe in and want to provide and then suddenly they're not expected to do that or it's not needed of them, it can really start to, um, they really can start to question their identity and that feeds into, um, you know, friction into the, in the relationship. So, you know, it's, it's not to say that relationships are doomed. We want, and as someone who's in a relationship with a partner who makes less, 
I wanted these relationships to work, right? There, but there was no formula. There was there was no advice. We hadn't really gone and deep into the community to to talk to these couples and see how what's working, what's not, to bring that back to again, you know, uh, the, the masses and say, you know, obviously when she makes more, there can be difficulties, complexity, but it's it's fixable. And here's how we can make these relationships work and thrive. Because I think that, you know, to tell young women that they can grow up to do whatever they want and have it all. And, you know, that's a whole other debate of, you know, I actually don't even like the expression having it all. But for this, you know, purposes of this interview, I'll just use it and say that if we're really going to encourage women to do that, then we also need to say that, you can do that and have a happy relationship. What's what's happening is that women are pursuing college and career with you know 110 percent drive, uh, and then we just sort of expect that the relationship will work. But actually, you know, you have to put as much work into the relationship as you do into everything else. And sometimes that message gets muddied. And um, you know, we talk about lean in, lean in, lean in. I, this book is really about leaning, how to lean into your relationship once you've, you know, achieved everything you've wanted with your career and you're very happy and you're financially independent. Um, you know, it's not to be assumed that your relationship is just going to fall into place, that they're going to have, they're going to have to work some things out and unique things because of the fact that you are, um, you know, kicking butt in the workplace and in the financial space. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, it's interesting. I saw Anne Marie Slaughter speak once, um, and it this was after her article came out saying women can't have it all, and she was really talking about gender roles and how, um, you know, women typically were the homemaker and men were typically the breadwinner. And she says we we need to stop assigning genders to those roles. Someone's a breadmaker or someone's a breadwinner, and someone's a homemaker, and it doesn't matter if it's the man or the woman. And I thought that was really interesting in terms of um, how we feel about ourselves and the roles that we play in our mm-hmm. relationships and how that can affect us. So so thank you for bringing that up and, and thank you for telling us about your book, which leads us right into the top three tips for female entrepreneurs when they make more. And your first tip is be authentic in your presentation and work and don't try to be somebody you're not or create something that's not in line with your beliefs and your standards. Tell us what you mean by that. Well, I think that, you know, and I can speak personally to this. I feel sometimes like um, you there there is this um, you know you feel like you have to be like everybody else. Sometimes you 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 have obviously mentors and leaders and people you look up to, and there are probably people in within your space, whether you're selling a product or a service that are doing it better than you or making more money, and you look at them and you think you know, what is their, their secret, you know, what, what, or what is it about them that's, um, making them so special? And you might think, well, I should just duplicate that or replicate that. And I think that that is, um, it's human nature, right. To, to, to sort of feel like, um, the grass is greener or that you should follow the herd or that you should become suddenly someone you're not, because that's what you think people will, um, will be accepting of. And I think that that's, just a, a bad way to go about things, you know, and I, I think a lot of entrepreneurs might have that thought process at times. I certainly have, you know, where I think, well, you know, this person is kick, is making so much more money than I am, you know, they're this big personality, they're kind of, you know, um, they're loud and obnoxious, maybe I have to be loud and obnoxious, you know, maybe I have to start, you know, I should get a different haircut, or I should put out a product that 
like apparently people love this kind of a product, so I should put out that kind of a product. And so I think that you just sort of have, it's important to look at your competition and learn from your competition and see what's maybe making them stand out. But at the end of the day, you know, if you want, if, if your goal is to um, create a long lasting business, then you want to, it may be a slower pace for you, but it has to be a true, a true pace and an authentic pace and you'll get there. And it's not going to be overnight and it's not going to just because you're not going to win just because you're doing what your competition's doing. You have to do something that is true to you. And I think in this, especially in this environment, in this day and age with so much transparency because of all the virtual work that we're doing in with the internet and podcasting and Twitter and et cetera, social networking, people can see right through, you know, um, someone who's being fake or not authentic. So just keep that in mind too, that even something as, even when you're tweeting or posting on Facebook, you know, make sure that it's in your voice. And if you're hiring people to do some of your copy editing or whatever, that you review it, that it really makes sense and it, that it syncs with, you know, who you are, your voice, your beliefs, um, because uh, your followers will cling to that. And I think that that's something that can be easily identified in this market. And it's something that people miss these days. There's too much generic th stuff out there. And so you really um, can benefit from just being true to yourself. And I think that's hard sometimes when you're trying to build a business quickly. You just kind of want to do what's been, you know, that has performed well and you kind of want to follow in those footsteps. But if it's not what works for you, and, and again, this is all sort of instinctive stuff. You know, it's you just have to follow your gut. And um, if it doesn't make sense to you, or if it doesn't um, sit well with you, then then don't bother. Mm -hmm. I always say that entrepreneurship is an exercise in intuition. I'm glad mm -hmm. you brought that up because it really is about homing in on what we inherently know will work or won't work and we're not always going to be correct but if we don't practice then we don't get better so you know it's really about listening to your gut and listening to your your intuition and, and really trying to refine it and get it better into the things that you tune to so your second tip is don't be afraid to share your goals mm -hmm. tell me about that well when I was coming out with my books and even before that, when I was thinking of just publishing and I didn't even have ideas, um, I maybe um, naively, but looking back, this was probably a smart thing. I would talk about it to everybody. And that's not something that I think um, everyone does because they have a fear of getting their idea out there and somebody taking their idea and executing it. And then they feel like, you know, they shared too much and now they've lost all this potential success because of it. Um, but I think that quite the opposite. I think that, you know, it's important to share your goals, your visions, your ideas with people you trust, obviously, with people that you know um, want to encourage you in your steps and in your goals. And I remember when I was first dabbling with this idea of writing a book, I had no idea how to do it. Um, I worked in media, so I, I knew authors. And so every time I would meet an author or interview an author, at the end of the interview or the end of the conversation, I would simply ask, so how did you write your book? Or you know, how did your book come to fruition? I'm thinking of writing a book. And then I would learn from them and they would ask me about my idea. And you know, it took probably talking to dozens and dozens of authors before one author 
I don't even know who, um, went back to her agent and her agent called me one day and said, um, you know, one of my authors didn't say who mentioned that you are interested in writing a book. I'd love to represent you, (laughs) you know? And so uh, the point is, is that you just never know who is going to be able to help you in this world. And it's really important to voice. It's really important to express, you know, you don't take it too specific, but just, you know, to be open about sharing your goals. It not only makes you feel more accountable to those goals. I mean, let's even something as simple as telling your girlfriend, you're trying to lose weight, you know, five pounds. You've, you've now taken that idea from inside to outside. You've externalized it. You've put it out in the universe and you sort of feel like you have to own it now and you have to execute. And so same goes with an idea for your business potentially. And um, that's something that I practice all the time in my business. I'm not afraid to tell people what my next venture is, what I want to do, what I'm thinking of. Certainly someone could steal the idea and do it. But as you know, that you know, common expression in the world of entrepreneurship, it's not about the idea, it's about the execution. So someone could execute it, but again, it could it's just, it's them. It's and I, there are a million different ways to present an idea in this world, and there's a lot of audience out there. The market's big enough, so don't be discouraged if you feel like someone's scooped you. But that's probably not going to happen. What's probably going to happen is someone's going to help you, or give you advice, or lead your you down to, you know, lead the path for you towards something um, beneficial. So don't be afraid to share. I I completely completely agree. And I think it was Steve Jobs who said or who refused to go to market first with anything. Mm. Um you know, everything that he did was innovative, but the iPod wasn't the first music player. Right. The Apple wasn't the first computer. He just did it better. So, um I tell people that all the time when they don't want to share their ideas or, you know, need I was talking to a girl not too long ago. She has this idea and um, she said, well, I'm not telling people I want them to sign NDAs. And I said, don't do that. That, that, that. You're just hindering yourself. Tell me your idea. Let me see if I can help. And we had a great discussion. And then afterwards I said, was this discussion valuable to you? And she said, oh, my, this was so helpful. I said, now, if you wouldn't have shared your idea, how, how could have I helped you at all? Mm-hmm. And it's a really valuable lesson. People need to um, – I, I love that tip. I think it's, I think it's spot on share your goals, share your vision, because there's so many people that are willing to help and want to help. Great Mm -hmm. people want to help. So thank you for that. So the third tip you have is value your time better and invest in outsourcing, outsource technical and menial tasks. Yes. I think uh, as entrepreneurs, it's really important to be able to focus on the big picture to make sure that you know, your, um, your vision's being executed beautifully and on time and that you're really the idea person. And once you are making money, hopefully you can reserve some of that to outsource a lot of the sort of day-to-day stuff that, you know, frankly, you, your time is better spent doing stuff that's more visionary, perhaps networking, you know, stuff that, um, uh, what, ultimately is going to make your business differentiate itself from other businesses, you, right? So it's not going to be necessarily like, you know, um, your blog posts. It's going to, so these are the key th- kinds of things that sometimes you can hire people to be on your team and you can outsource them virtually to help you with, you know, scheduling and copy editing or your newsletter and 
Um, or if you've got a product, you know, to help you with um, sales or some marketing even a little bit. But I think that you need to figure out what it is that will ultimately um, make your business successful and how and what that means in terms of your contribution and what is unique about your contribution that no one else can bring to the table and focus on that and have that be how you manage your time mostly. And then a lot of the other stuff that sort of is the nuts and bolts kind of keeps the, the lights on and the wheels turning, you can outsource that. And I think with um, outsourcing, it's very controversial because yes, it costs money. And so, but really think of it as an investment, an investment in the business, in you, and in a long-term investment. It might mean um, making trade-offs now to be able to afford these kinds of um you know, this kind of support for your business, but it will pay off, I think, in the long run, because you will then have been able to invest your time more wisely, if that makes sense. And I do this in my personal life, too. I mean, this is the same, it's the same idea, you know, you outsource laundry, or sometimes a lot of other stuff, because at the end of the day, your time is is very valuable. And I think we need to just recognize that better. I agree. Um, I think Mary Kay Ash, the founder of Mary Kay Cosmetics, uh, a long time ago when she first started the company told all of the sales reps that they should hire a housekeeper. <laughs> um, I love that. Yeah, that because they shouldn't be doing that kind of work when they could be selling. And it was such a huge novel idea at the time. It was almost gasp worthy, you know, for women not to clean their own homes um, back then. But, but it was so true. And, you know, I have a couple other friends, Pat Flynn and Manish, study that have outsourced entirely their email and I am so amazed that they can do that and the time I mean when Manish Manish told me when he did it and I, I remember him Skyping me saying I'm so bored right now I don't know what to do because he was spending hours and hours on email like we all do but now he's gotten that time back and he can go you know, create and write and do the things that actually push the business forward instead of answering all of this unwanted communication. So I'm, I'm super stoked for both of them and hopefully I can get there someday too. But that one right there is a game changer, I think, for, for business owners is outsourcing email. Yeah, you don't want to get buried in the day-to-day stuff when you can be out there, you know, taking your business further. Exactly. So we like to ask our guests to give us a book recommendation, something that you think is great in helping your business move forward and you think our audience could really benefit from. What book recommendation do you have for them? I really love the book. It's a new book that came out kind of around the time mine did as well, The Confidence Code by Caddy Kay and Claire Shipman, two journalists. And I, I'm sure a lot of your listeners have already heard of it or are, are familiar with it. Um, it got a ton of press and it's, I like the book because it's, it's backed by science. It's, ba- it's backed by a lot of research like mine is, uh, but it's very applicable and it's very user friendly. And basically the messages to women specifically, um, you know, how to be more confident and why we should be more confident. And sometimes, you know, confidence is, is tied to genetics. You know, if you're family, if you come from a lineage of confidence, chances are you'll be um, an assured, confident person. But really, it's also a behavior that you can train yourself to be good at. And it's um, something that I think, and going back to what I said earlier about young women in, in school and how we sort of 
are rewarded, you know, we're rewarded for effort and showing up and doing the extra credit and for, um, you know, what we think we, 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 we earn our grades because we deserve them. But sometimes it's really about presentation. It's about confidence. It's about speaking up. Life is not always about, you know, um, getting what you deserve, right? It's about what you negotiate. And I think women certainly can learn to be better at that. And how it applies to your business is in all sorts of ways, you know, negotiating and being more confident in meetings, um, when you're striking deals, when you're coming up with, um, you know, product ideas and just being really confident, not only in, in the presence of others, but in yourself too, knowing that you have what it takes to execute well. And what the book talks about some of the research that, you know, they bring to light, for example, did you know that when a man applies for a job, he will feel confident to apply when he only can qualify for 60% of the uh, requirements for that job description, whereas women feel like they have to have 100% of the criteria met. So um, in your life as an entrepreneur, you know, take risks. Be able to, be, don't be afraid of failure. Don't be afraid of putting yourself out there if you don't even feel in your heart that you're 100% qualified uh, because um, you just never know. It's really just important to, to throw yourself into situations sometimes and it may seem like a, <clears throat> like a, a deadly situation or an, uh, an unfruitful situation, but there's ever, you can learn so much from failure as we know. And sometimes the most confident people, they fail a lot. You know, and that's how I think they become more confident because they can learn from those experiences. I totally, totally agree. Thank you for that. Um, I think I have that on my my short list to read, so I look forward to, to picking that up. And so we like to end our our podcast with asking our guest to challenge our audience to do something today that will make an impact in their business or in their business and. Um, in their life, something that they can put mm-hmm. into action. What is your challenge for our community? I think the next time you are in a situation where you're negotiating a deal um, or, or offering a, a product or a service to your audience, to your, um, to your you know, followers, I would say um, raise your price. Ask for more money. You know, Don't be afraid to push the envelope a little bit when it comes to price. If you feel like you've built a good product or a service and you've got a a following that trusts you, that has, uh, you know, come to you time and time again, clearly you're doing something right. Clearly you're doing something where people um, really love what you do and trust you. So, so, you know, maybe ask for a little bit more instead of a, you know, maybe ask for 10 or 15% more. Um, late pricing is a little bit higher, or if you're negotiating a, a deal with an, with one, one-on-one with a client, you know, raise your price a little bit. And even if you don't get that, you have raised the bar for yourself and then you have room to negotiate. Um, but, uh, you know, going, I think the theme here today, I guess you can tell by now, Stephanie is, you know, just be more confident and be more, um, trustworthy of yourself to know that, you know, you can achieve far more than you are achieving today. And all it takes sometimes is a decision. Mm-hmm. One decision that's today, I'm going to ask for 15% more or 20% more. Um, the market can sometimes support that. You'd be surprised. So go for it. Take a risk. Go for it. Go ask for it and see what happens. I love that. That's you never great. know. And you the, never at, know. at the end of the day, you know, um, 
you could be that much richer. How great, you know? And then that's money you can put back into your business. That's money that you can go and take a trip or whatever. But, um, you know, I think that it's a good practice to get into is this idea that I'm worth it. I'm going to ask for more. And if I don't get what I, you know, if I, if I shoot for the stars and I don't get it all, you'll get probably better than what you expected. I agree. Farnoosh, I love chatting with you. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your story. I, I love your, your whole message and your book. So we look forward to having you on again and enjoy your day and enjoy your new baby boy. Thanks, Stephanie. And thanks to everyone who's listening in and hope to hear from you soon. And good luck with the podcast. Thanks. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Top 3 Podcast. If you're looking to start a business, come on over to chic-ceo.com to get all of the information you need to get moving. If you're looking to grow your existing business, you aren't quite ready for a business coach, but you know you need some higher level business strategy, the Chic Elite program is a perfect fit. So head on over to chic-ceo.com to check out all the resources and for the show notes to today's episode.